when someone applies for a job, he goes through what we call an initiation phase where he's put to the test. And that's done in a few different ways. The first way that is done is that he is put through an interview process in which he is asked questions about his qualification, about his experience, about his knowledge, about what he is going to present and perform for the company or for the business. Then he's also put through a probation or a trial process to see, are you really going to fulfill what you have said? Are you going to be that type of worker? Do you have the skills? Do you have the knowledge? And if they find out that you lack in knowledge or you've lied or you've over-exaggerated, during that period they're going to tell you, see you later, see you later, you're not what we expected. And even if you say to them, but I want to be part of this company, I want to be part of this group, I want to be part of this business so bad, it doesn't matter. If you do not fit the criteria to be part of this business, assalamu alaikum, off you go. And so likewise, as a believer, as a Muslim, you yourself have certain credentials, certain qualities, certain strengths, certain weaknesses. Some of us, alhamdulillah, we pray our five daily prayers as we should on time. We wake up for fajr, we pray on time. Others, they have weaknesses where they don't pray fajr. They can't wake up for fajr. And so very rarely they wake up. It's not that they've put a process to wake up, but they fail to build the strength to wake up. That's a weakness. It's wrong, but it's a weakness. Some people love the dunya so much, the world so much. They can't let it go. They love money. They want wealth. They will lie. They will cheat. They will deceive to get that wealth, regardless of who stands in their way. That's the way that someone will present himself to this world. He's money hungry. That's his weakness. Some weakness would be women. That would be his weakness. And many of us have not one, but many weaknesses. But the problem comes when you as a believer does not recognize his weaknesses. So just like the person in the interview that says, says that I can do this and I do this and I've got this and I've got that and I've got this qualification, I'm this and I'm that and I'm so great. Likewise, a person will go through this world as if he is infallible and he does absolutely nothing wrong to the point that he considers himself like a saint. I don't do anything wrong. I've got no weaknesses. I'm only a person that can offer good to the world. But the reality is, is that there's so many aspects of his life that he needs to work on. And this is where it comes back to you. Let's forget the whole world for a second. Let's forget your work, let's forget your family, your school, your education. Let's forget everything for a moment and let's just focus on you. We call this, in this day and age, me time. Let's focus on me time. Let's focus on you. What are you doing for yourself to build your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And what are you doing to focus yourself 
in building your iman, in building your faith, in building your jannah, building your akhirah, building your houses in jannah, building your places in jannah. What are you doing? You speak to brothers these days, they complain about two things. Depression and anxiety. Depression, anxiety. Depression, anxiety. We ask the same question. What are you doing for yourself? What are you doing to improve yourself? Someone talks about how unhealthy he is. He's obese or, you know, he's got issues in his diet. We say, okay, what are you doing for yourself now? Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about the world. Don't worry about what's going on. Worry about you and your body and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the son of Adam, his feet will not move until he's asked. And one of those things he's asked about is his body. What did you do with the body that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you? How did you use it? How did you go about this body? Did you take care of it? This machine, like your car, if you don't service it, you don't look after it, it's going to fail you. Likewise, that's how your body can fail you. If a person doesn't have the strength to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have the strength to work zakat or the strength to help others, what is he going to benefit? And this is why we say to a person over and over again, forget everything for a moment and let's worry about yourself. Care about yourself for now. Some people take too much to the extreme where they don't care about themselves. And others people take to the extreme, they care so much about others, that also they don't focus on themselves. You need to take time for yourself. There are indeficiencies, there's, there's problems within you. There's issues in your iman, there's issues in your character, there's issues in your morals, there's issues with your, with your body in itself. Your chemicals in your body. The processes in your body, your organs, there are issues within you. You need, as a believer, to work on those things and worry about yourself. And to take care of yourself. So then you can improve. Then you can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need time for yourself. See, the Prophet wasallam always had time for himself. Always made time to reflect, to repent. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To contemplate. To re-energize. To revive. You see from narrations, you think that the Prophet was always surrounded and had no room to breathe. You hear from the narrations where for example Abu Huraira was looking for Rasulullah And he looked everywhere and he couldn't find him. Then he went into a paddock. And he found the Prophet ﷺ reclining in that paddock by himself. By himself. The Prophet ﷺ took time for himself. To reflect. To have his time to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have his time to rest his body. To have his time... To bring himself, and this is only a sunnah and a way to show us. So you see someone, he's burnt out. Brother, what's going on? Brother, I'm working 24-7. Where's time for you? But Where's time for you? Why are you killing yourself to the point where you're going to burn yourself out and go insane and go crazy? You have to know where your limits are and you have to know when it's time for you to take that moment 
to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never do you hear in the past the ulama, the scholars, the ones that are involved in ibadah, in worship, in any action. Never do you ever hear that they suffered from loneliness or they suffered from being overworked or they suffered from anxiety or depression. You don't find that. Why? It's because they had time to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To connect with their Lord. So a lot of times we ask a person, okay, you have problems. It's good, seek treatment. We're not saying a person shouldn't seek treatment. But have you tried the obvious? They say, what's the obvious? Someone comes, he goes, I'm always feeling tired, I'm always feeling sick. Have you tried the obvious? What's the obvious? Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Exercise. Be strong. That's the obvious. Someone comes and he says, I, I feel so low, I feel so drained, I feel like I'm away from the dunya, uh, the, uh, disconnected with the, you know, from, my, from my deen, and I feel so low. We say, have you tried the obvious? What's the obvious? Connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the obvious. To build your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to increase your faith and your iman, to have time for yourself. Don't do anything. Just lock yourself in a room. Go sit on a rock somewhere. And just reflect. Have time for yourself to breathe. Have time for yourself to react. This is a problem that we have. And look at those deficiencies that you need to fix. I need to fix my fajr. I need to fix my fajr. How am I going to do it? Obviously the alarm clock doesn't work. I'm going to have a fajr buddy. Who's the fajr buddy? He's the one that doesn't stop calling you until he wakes you up. Whoever wakes up first calls the other one. I'm going to put processes. I'm going to sleep early. I'm going to sleep instead of staying waking up to 1, 2 o'clock watching series on TV. Try sleeping early. As a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to sleep after Isha. Try sleeping early. I'm giving you, but Fajr is an example for a lot of other examples in your life. You have to figure out a process to get yourself improved in these matters. And it all starts with you trying to figure out what the problem is and what the solution is. There was a man who couldn't wake up for Fajr. Again, we're using Fajr as an example, but it just gives other examples of how a person should not stop in trying to find the solution to his problem. He couldn't wake up. So he tied a rope to his leg, and he put it outside his window and ran it to his neighbor's window. And he told his neighbor, when you wake up for Fajr, pull on the rope. So every time his neighbor would wake up, he'll come, he'll pull the rope, and he'll, dra- he'll push him out of bed. Drag him out of bed. That was his solution for his problem. You might say it's extreme, but this person wants to solve the issue and wants to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, anything else in your life you need to improve. A person says, Oh man, I'm not I'm not reading enough Quran. Okay, what's going on? Uh-huh. You're listening to music, eh? Either music or Quran. You can't choose both. You're gonna have one or the other. You need to cut the evil out of your life for the Qur'an to enter. person says, you know what? I'm not spending enough time in praying qiyam, praying night prayers. Easy. Sleep early. Get some rest. Rest your body. Just like if you were to go fishing. If we were to go fishing at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? And the fish are out. And I were to tell anyone, listen. 
We're going to go fishing at 3 o'clock. You would do everything and anything to make sure that you're awake earlier than that, getting ready and getting prepared. You'll put all the preparations into place. Because those that fail to prepare, those that fail to prepare, they prepare to fail. Misquote. For when a person wants to study or learn or whatever, if you fail to prepare yourself, then you're preparing yourself to fail. You haven't put those things into place. And you see, brothers are always walking, always have an issue. What have you done to solve it? What have you done for yourself to build your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You're money hungry, you love the dunya, give sadaqah. Force yourself. Force yourself to the point where it no longer becomes an issue to you. As you're giving it, you feel shaitan grabbing your hand and then pulling you back. You feel it. No, I'm going to break it. I'm going to break this curse that's on me. I'm going to give it. And I'm going to keep on giving until this mentality and this shaitan inside of me, this whisper, is broken. Shaitan no longer has power over me. The gaze, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to keep pushing myself. Until shaitan knows that I've got no power over this person. What's another major issue? We're going to speak about this in the second khutbah and it's a major problem. The major issue is drugs. People say, how much of a major issue is that? It can't be that much of a major issue. Nah, it is a very major issue. It is a very, very major issue. You don't find many Muslims drinking alcohol. No one really likes the taste, right? You don't find. There is, but you don't generally find. You don't find many Muslims eating pork. But how many Muslims do you find on drugs? You will be surprised. You would be surprised. It's not as uncommon as the others that we've mentioned. It's actually more common. And it's becoming more and more common among people to the point now that some decide that, you know what, I have no shyness anymore. They will tell others what they're doing, what they're taking. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited alcohol for the reason that it veils your mind, then drugs also fall underneath that category. And for a second, if you think that drugs did not exist during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were plants and there were things they used to chew and eat that will get them high, and they were also prohibited. And the majority, if not all of the ulama on consensus, it's haram. And it falls underneath the category of alcohol. But we ask yourself, or you ask yourself the question, what am I replacing here? See, what am I trying to fulfill? The happiness and the iman that a person feels connected to Allah, what high are you trying to get? Because whatever it is, it's only going to last for a moment or two. Whatever it is, it's going to destroy your body. Whatever it is, it is known to be a fact that it will destroy the chemicals and the matter of your brain and your liver and your kidneys. So when you're sitting there on dialysis or you're sitting there with kidney failure because of the drugs that you've, to you've taken, don't say, why is this happening to me? You cause this upon yourself. The biggest enemy to any human is himself. The biggest enemy. 
There is no bigger enemy than one human to another human or a human to himself. Over the smallest things, one human can kill another human. We put all these security measures. You think about a house, the front door, the windows, the roof, the, 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 the gates, the CCTV, the alarm systems. Everything we put into place to protect ourselves as a form of security. But you know who's the biggest enemy in that house? You know which person in that house, not the robber. How many people have been robbed? Three or four? Five, six? Not as common as we think. The biggest enemy within your household is you. How many people have turned on their family, killed them, or harmed themselves, or have abused their family, or abused themselves? The biggest enemy to you is yourself. You are more likely to kill yourself than someone kill you. The greatest killer between the ages, between the young, right? 25 to 50. One of the biggest killer of a person between those ages is suicide. Is suicide. A person, think about it. A person not committing murder on another person, but a person murdering himself. You have to get to that extent to want to kill yourself. So the biggest enemy to you is yourself. If you had, a, this is a saying, if you had a gun for safety, you're more likely to use that gun on yourself than for you to use it on a robber. That's the truth. You're more likely for you to get into a car accident yourself from your stupidity than from someone else. From your speeding or trying to use your phone when you're driving or whatever. And likewise, you as a person are more likely to abuse a substance and to kill yourself or to harm yourself than someone to do it to you. You are your worst enemy. Know that every time you wake up and you look in the mirror, that person that's staring you back in the mirror, that person that you're looking at, is that person that is going to send you to the hellfire. That's the one that's capable of sending you to the hellfire. You. Even Iblis knows that. When, on the, when in hellfire they come and they say to Iblis, the people of hellfire, you caused this. What does he say? Don't blame me. Blame yourself. Don't blame me. I'm not, not the one to blame here. Blame yourself. You did this to yourself. All I did was whisper. And you went and you did that action. Don't blame me. Blame yourself. You're the one that caused that harm. You're the one that caused that destruction. From your own hands. From your own hands you did that. And this is what human beings are capable of. They will cause more destruction to themselves. They will destroy the planet. They will destroy the environment. They will destroy the water. They will destroy the, the, the ecosystem. They will destroy everything. Because that's how the human goes upon his, upon his life. Carelessness. How many people do you think were killed in the last hundred years because of war? Over 180 million people 
180 million people died because of wars. That's not humans fighting animals or fighting aliens. These are humans fighting humans. Humans killing humans. And the majority of them were civilians. So a person asks, what's happening in Gaza? They're so shocked. Haven't you seen what the world is capable of in the last hundred years? This is why Islam has laws for war. So we do not transgress. Why do we have laws for fighting in Islam? So we don't transgress those bounds because by nature, the human being will. He'll slaughter, he'll kill, he'll kill civilians, he'll kill, he'll kill everything in his path. When Islam, you're not allowed to remove a tree that's in your way. A tree. When you're fighting in the path of Allah, a tree, you cannot remove it. A tree that has, has, is benefiting, people are taking shade from. Or the animals are benefiting. You can't just remove it out of the way. Or even the animals you cannot even harm. And if you were to battle, you can't battle in civilian areas. You've got to go out far. This is why the battle of Badr. Those that have gone to Badr, what's Badr? It's the middle of nowhere. It's the wasteland. Nothing there. Battle of Uhud. Where did it take? In an area, again, empty. When we go and we travel, we find these places are empty. What's the reason for them? Because in, in Islam, when we had battles, we would go far places. Why? Not to harm anyone. Not to harm anyone except the ones in battle. They've accepted to fight the ones that are there. Not in the middle or the heart of a city. And this is the reality of the situation. The human being is so reckless. And you're in so much of a risk of you harming yourself. And if you look at all the muharramat, right? The things that Allah has made prohibited, what are they? Look at all of them, the major ones, right? After shirk, or black magic. What's black magic? You putting a curse or magic on who? On someone else. You harming someone else. Killing, killing. What's killing? You taking the life of someone else or you taking your own life? Even riba, interest. So you don't cause oppression to other people, other human beings. You don't take their money and their wealth for unnecessary means where people cannot pay their debts. Lying, cheating, backbiting, slandering, tattoos. The list goes on and on and on. Changing Allah's creation, body modifications. Look at all the muharramat. What is it? It's about you protecting another human being or protecting yourself. All these laws in Islam are in place for you to protect from your own self or to protect someone else. Think about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made these things haram. Alcohol, who you? If I'm drinking alcohol in my room, in my home, who am I harming? Who am I harming? In my room and I'm drinking alcohol, who am I harming? I'm not harming anyone. It's for me, right? I want to have a drink. So a person he drinks, who are you harming? You're harming yourself. You can turn on yourself. Why? Because it veils your mind, you don't know what you're doing. Your house can burn down and you wouldn't know. Too drunk. Hop behind the wheel of a car. You think there weren't problems during those times of Rasulullah sallallahu where someone was drunk and he hopped on a camel or a, or, a, or, a, or a horse 
and he fell off and died, it happened. They knew the consequences of this alcohol, of this drink. And many other muharramat. Why? So you can protect yourself because, sorry, you as a human being, you're not good enough or smart enough to protect yourself. You're not. Unfortunately, us as humans, we cannot protect ourselves. We are our worst enemy. And that person, like I said, that you see in the mirror every day, this is the person. That face, that's the person that can destroy your hereafter. That's the person that can make you enter hellfire. That's the person that can destroy your household, destroy your whole family. That's the person. Not the one outside, you. You are the worst enemy. Look on these deficiencies and these issues that you have and connect yourself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Unfortunately, you're going to get worse and worse and worse. Especially this day and age that we live in. Haram is so much, so easy accessible. It's in the palm of our hands. We want to gamble, it's in the palm of our hands. We want to look at evil, it's in the palm of our hands. We want to listen to evil, it's in the palm of our hands. We want to backbite, it's in the palm of our hands. We want to slander somebody. We can reach millions of people around the world in the palm of our hands. A lot of the haram things, it's right here in the palm of your hand. So accessible. And so, in a definition of what a human is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us, human being is weak. At the same time, the human being leans towards desire. Thus leans towards evil. Thus can slip into evil very easily. And it's more difficult when a person's in evil to take himself out. So a person, he must know where his weaknesses are. And if you don't spend your life avoiding the haram, look at the ones that, just an example, look at the ones that don't have anything. They don't have electricity. Only a little bit. They don't have access to water and food like we do. They live on the poverty line, right? As they say. Basic, basic necessities of life. You would see every salah in the masjid. The kids memorizing the Quran is nothing. Every child of this memorized the Quran. What's, what's the big deal? They've memorized it at the age of 10, every child's memorized the Quran. Their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they only have full tawakkul in Allah. They live and breathe in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They can't give zakat or charity because they have no money. They only rely on what the ground feeds them. So they have true reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that tomorrow Allah will feed us. Allah will sustain us. Allah will give us. And I want to ask you, these people that have none of the luxuries that we have, I want to ask you, do these people want to end their life? Do these people hate their life? Do these people wish they were in the ground and away from the dunya and all the stresses of the world? If anything, they are living a life of paradise on this earth. 
they are living in Jannah on this earth. Because they have something which we don't have. They have a main ingredient which we don't have. And that is contentment. For a soul that has contentment from the little provisions that they have and is happy to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for them, that is the soul that is joyful. That is the soul that is happy. That is the soul that has full, full connection without inter interference with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the soul that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Keep your brothers and your sisters in your dua in Gaza and around the world.